0: Uh, This morning's scripture is found in the Gospel according to John. It's a short one this morning. If you have your Bibles, your iPhones, uh, whatever device, if you want to follow along, I'll be reading from John chapter 20, uh, verses 30 through 31. And Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. My brothers and sisters and my dear friends, this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you bow with me for just a moment? Most gracious and holy and almighty God. Lord, your word is a lamp into our feet and a light into our paths, sharper than any two-edged sword. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us, pierce our hearts, fill our hearts and set them on fire with your love. That when we leave this place, we will know without a doubt that we are your children and we would share that love with the world, your world, so in need of the good news. And Lord, I pray that I would decrease, and oh Lord God, that you would increase. And I ask this in the mighty and precious name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior, who lives and reigns with you, Almighty God, our Father, our Abba, and with God, the Holy Spirit, one God, true God, our God, now and forever. Amen. Well, one thing you'll learn about me, uh, you probably already figured out, is that I do love to talk. I love people. Um, Believe it or not, though, I was the shy kid in my class growing up. I never said anything. And now my husband and my children say, oh, no, Mama's making up for lost time. We better eat a good breakfast on Sundays because Mama's going to talk to everybody. And now that I'm in a larger church, they're going to say, oh, no, we're going to starve to death. But one of the first things that I like to ask my mom, and those of you who have kids, uh, nieces, nephews, or teachers, uh, know that little kids love to ask why. Amen? Anybody's kids ask you why, and it's usually at the most inopportune times. Bedtime, or they're avoiding chores or something. Mine always did that. But why? Why? but why? And I've always been like that too. And I pray that you and I as adults, all of us who are adults, never stop asking why. And I'll tell you a secret. You can ask God big questions because we've got a big God. Amen. 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 God's not afraid of our big questions. So ask why, but why? Uh, this sermon series, and I'll be honest, I'm not used to preaching sermon series. I've done it a couple of times. I tend to be a lectionary preacher, but I'm also one, I like to do new things. But I really like Andy's sermon series, Long Story Short, and I promise this is going to be fairly short. Uh, nobody ever complained about a short sermon. And my husband's not here today. He's a little under the weather, and I'll wit- you will have to bear witness. Wow, she did let you out early. Um, but why? But why? Have you ever wondered why there are only four gospel accounts in the New Testament of our Bible? Ever wondered that? Or ever thought about it? Well, first of all, and how many of you grew up in, in church? I did. Um, Some of you have heard me speak before. I grew up in the Southern Baptist tradition. Uh, I went to church uh, when I was knee-high to a grasshopper, as the old folks say, very young. I learned scripture. I went to Sunday school. I went to big church. Um, Sometimes I got to get out of going to big church and go to my aunts or my grandmothers, but went to big church. But we hear all these church words, and we're living in a world that unfortunately is increasingly more secular, or non-churched. So we know what the word gospel means. Anybody wanna know what the definition is? And you'll find too that I'm kind of a word nerd, I like words. So I looked it up. Our current English word comes from the Anglo word, God spell, which comes from Latin, and I took Latin many more years ago than I would like to admit. And by the way, thank you for the happy birthday wishes. And I will tell you that I'm 58 years young. I took Latin a long time ago, but it comes from that word, "Godspell," derived from "evangelion," which simply means good telling or good news. And we know that stories about Jesus are good news. We sang in traditional service this morning. I love to tell the story. How many people know that hymn? I love that hymn. I love to tell the story. It's even sweeter every time we hear it. Well, a gospel means good news. It also, when we use the term gospel in everyday conversation, well, that's the gospel. We usually assume that somebody is talking about it's the truth. You can can put your money on it. You can bank on that. You can rest assured that that is the truth. So that's how the word gospel came into being. So, Second of all, I want to look at a few facts about the gospel and so just basic information regarding how the gospels came into being and were incorporated into what we know as the New Testament. I won't bore you with a whole lot of history. I know a lot of folks aren't history buffs, but I love history. History of Christianity was one of my favorite classes in seminary. But the earliest manuscripts, most likely written on papyrus, compiled into what's called a codex, and maybe you've heard that word, and the, they're archaeologists, some of them are my professors, who are still digging for even older manuscripts. I won't go into great detail on this, but uh, the books of the New Testament were accepted as canon. We hear that word too, the church canon or the biblical canon. Again, why? Why were these picked? and not all the others. You may see books in bookstores, the Gospel of Thomas, the Gospel even of Judas, the Gospel of Peter. Well, why Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and why not those? Why are they canon? Well, canon means that they are accepted or definitive teachings. About the 4th century AD, so they've been around a while, and they're based on the following criteria. They're inspired by God. As United Methodists in our tradition, we believe that Scripture is inspired by God, and Scripture contains everything necessary for salvation. The Gospels, the four, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, inspired by God, authoritative, apostolic. How many of you have ever heard the word apostle? You ever wondered what that means? But maybe you're afraid to ask. That's okay. Well, what that means is, Traditionally accepted tenets or beliefs of the faith. Things that have been passed down. People who were eyewitnesses. People who were there. People even who risked their lives and gave their lives for their faith. And fourth, the books of the New Testament or the Gospels are considered to be Catholic. Now what do I mean by Catholic? I'm talking little c. How many of you know the Apostles' Creed? Or you said it if you've gone to traditional. When it talks about the Holy Catholic Church, that's a little c. That means universal. That means all of God's children, or everybody, as my kids would say. Everybody. The whole church. Well, now let's talk about the Gospels themselves. Why, again, why those four? Again, keep asking yourself why. Again, God is is big enough to handle all of our questions. And you can always ask me, and if I don't know, I'll find out. And we'll study together. That's the beautiful thing about this faith. There's always something to learn. One thing I like about teaching and preaching is because I learn again. Those of you who are teachers understand that when you teach, you learn again. Let's look at the book of Matthew. Matthew. Have you ever opened and said, well, I'm going to start reading the Bible. Maybe in, there's a New Year's resolution. I'm going to read the Bible. But I'm going to start with the New Testament. And you start out, and there's all these begats, And the begats, and the begats, And they're names that are this long. And those names don't sound like folk from here, right? Amen? Hard to pronounce. Why would they put that in the Bible? And that's boring. You know, we want people to read the Bible. That, that sounds boring. But it's important. You say Matthew was a Jewish tax collector. When Jesus called him, he was a Jewish tax collector. And Matthew was writing to a Jewish audience. Matthew refers a lot to the Old Testament. The Gospels, again, good news. Telling the good news of Jesus. Okay, Yeah, I'm telling you, right? Matthew's saying, yeah, I'm telling you. Look, I'm telling you from the Old Testament I'm giving... Illustration This Jesus is the long awaited Messiah, Messiah meaning anointed one. He's legit. This is, he's the one. I'm telling you the truth. Also, the Sermon on the Mount. When Jesus went up to the mountain and he spoke. Think back to the Old Testament for a second. Who else went up to the mountain to receive law from God? Moses, look at that. Sunday school teachers here are doing, and parents are doing a great job. Yet Moses. So again, Matthew's writing to a Jewish audience who had the Jewish scripture and knew the law, knew the prophets. Hey, see, he is, he is who he says he is. Mountains and revelations on mountains associated with God. And again, that's just in a nutshell. And then the gospel according to Mark. Now, Mark is the shortest of the gospel accounts. Mark gets to the point. It's not the condensed version. Mark doesn't leave anything out, but it gets straight to the point. If you read through the gospel according to Mark, you'll notice the word immediately, immediately, all through it doesn't give us the Christmas story. Ever wonder, why Why don't we read from Mark? Well, there's no uh, birth narrative in Mark. Mark begins with the baptisms of Jesus and goes straight to the cross, gets to the point. Mark is also considered by most scholars, there are some who are dissent, uh, but to be the first gospel account that was written. And it was considered to be the imperial gospel, or written for a Roman audience. And then Luke. And then most of you know that Luke, the gospel according to Luke, and then Acts. Luke is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Acts tells the history of the first church, the birth of the church. But Luke was a Greek or Gentile physician. Extremely intelligent. Luke is the longest of the gospel accounts. It's very, very detailed. How many of you are in the healthcare profession, maybe doctors, nurses, pharmacists, or around that setting? That's my background, and things are very detailed, detailed examples. Luke was also extremely intelligent. Luke is also the gospel of the underdog, you know. Gentiles. We don't think of ourselves as Gentiles, but that's who we are. And by the grace of God and the blood of Christ, we are grafted into the family of God. But Luke talks about the lost sheep, the lost coin, the lost son. A lot of talk about women. People who were marginalized, people who were different or the other as the Gentiles were. So that's in a a nutshell. Together, Matthew, Mark, and Luke are called the synoptic gospels. If you ever want to impress your friends, there's your $20 uh, seminary or Sunday school word, the synoptic gospel. And you can look through those and there's stories that are similar. I hate I missed the illustration, but I was uh, at my other church, but Andy said that, I believe it was Kim Clark, gave uh, Tim, Andy, and Brian a piece of paper and asked them, and said something, and asked them to record it. And each of them had the same theme, but wrote it in a different way. See, the gospel writers did the same thing. Yes, they're inspired. So if anybody ever tells you, oh, well, the Bible contradicts itself. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. These were individual people inspired by God writing to specific audiences. Matthew, the Jewish gospel. Hey, this really is... The one you've been waiting for, Mark, to the Romans, Luke, to the Gentiles, the other, the folks from across the tracks, like us, the others, the synoptic gospels. And then finally, John, the gospel according to John. Some refer to it as the spiritual or theological gospel, the language is very different. Their themes, light, dark. But again, all four gospels are pointing to who Jesus is. Who is he? Yes, Jesus is the Son of God, the one that God has promised and has sent. If you'll notice in the prologue, which is chapter 1 of John, verses 1 through 18, it begins In the beginning was what? The Word. Greek word for that is logos. In the beginning of the word was the word, and the word was what? With God, and the word was God. Have you ever heard the expression, oh, well, it doesn't or it does matter an iota? Have you ever heard that? Maybe some of the, the folks. You know how that came into being? Because in the Greek, yes, it does matter an iota. People actually went. To their deaths over this belief because there were some who believed false teaching, believed that, well, you know, Jesus, yeah, he's divine, but he's kind of like God Jr. or God Light, if you will. Similar, but not exactly. Homoi Usius, the I being the iota, but in this, you no, know, the word was God, homoousius, which means the same. Because we believe that Jesus Christ was, is, always will be God. Homoousius, the same as God the Father, the same as God the Holy Spirit. Only one God. You heard me pray that that's what we what we believe. So that's important. So yes, it does matter. An iota. And then look throughout the gospel According to John, the seven I am statements when Jesus says, I am, in John 6, the bread of life. I am the light of the world, in John 8. I am the door of the sheep, in John 10. Also in John 10, I am the good shepherd. And then, I am the resurrection and the life. Those beautiful words we hear oftentimes at funerals, John 11. And then in John 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And then in John fifteen, I am the true vine. I am, I am. Where else in the? Where in the Old Testament did we? Did we see those words? Word Moses. Mm-hmm. When Moses says, whom? shall I say sent me?" Tell him, "I am Yahweh." Jesus is saying, "I am. I am." I am God. Well, today's lesson comes just after the risen Lord's encounter with Thomas. You know, Thomas gets a bad rap. You don't ever hear about Thomas in the Bible. He's always referred to as what? Doubting Thomas. Well, I don't know about you, but I'm just going to confess, yes, as a pastor, a preacher, sometimes I've doubted. I think everyone has Doubt isn't necessarily the opposite of faith. We've, we've all struggled. But it come, this verse comes after that encounter. And these words that I read today it seems kind of an abrupt ending to a beautiful theological gospel with beautiful narratives, beautiful language. Oh, there was a whole bunch of other stuff that Jesus did, but it'd be too long well that's kind of a strange ending but the writer tells us that these things were written that we may believe that Jesus is the Christ that Jesus is who he says he is Jesus is the son of God and that by believing we may have life in his name well what about belief we talk about believing in Christ. Well, I believe certain things, but belief, and John Wesley says, belief is more than just an intellectual assent. We can learn facts. We can learn all kinds of scripture, and I encourage you to do that. One thing about my Baptist heritage and United Methodist is that we focus on the primacy of scripture. And we learn it. And... Young folks, it's much easier to learn it and memorize when you're younger than it is when your neurons get all jumbled up and you're 58-ish plus years old. So learn it now. Teach your kids. Teach them day and night, as the Old Testament says. But belief is more than being able to quote scripture. You know, even demons... Know scripture, they believe and they, they tremble. It's a pretty sobering thought. But that we may believe, that we may know without a doubt, John Wesley had all kinds of knowledge. John Wesley was an Anglican priest, actually died an Anglican priest. He wasn't a Methodist, he never wanted to start a new denomination. But John Wesley said, until at Aldersgate, my heart became strangely warmed. He was saved. And he said, and I knew without a doubt that Christ died even for me. That Christ loved me. A little about my testimony, just a quick bit. I grew up in the church. As I said, I was... Raised in Briarwood Drive Baptist Church. I almost said United Methodist because I've been a United Methodist so long, but it was right across the street from where our conference office is now. I was baptized at age 10. And I went to Sunday school. I went to youth. I sang in the choir. I played for children's choir. And then when I got married, got married in that church, we joined the United Methodist Church, raised my kids. My kids were both baptized. Went to Sunday school. I even taught children's choir, ran around the th- with the three, four, and five-year-olds, even went on mission trips New scripture. But when I heard a sermon, I can't remember, pinpoint the exact date, but I knew without a shadow of a doubt that Christ died for me, that Christ loves me just as I am. It was one of those church songs that I didn't like singing. Boy, I'm telling all my secrets this morning. Uh, Because we had to sing it about 15 times through and I would get hungry. Uh, Bayless saying amen. Uh, So you know, yeah. But it's one of my favorite hymns now. Just as I am, Christ died for me. This Jesus that I'd been reading about, studying, and could quote scripture and could find it, knew all about died for me while I was a sinner and because of him and he is who he says he is I can have eternal life I can be forgiven of my sins and I can have life abundantly here boy and if heaven gets better than this boy I don't know if I'm going to be able to stand it because I'm having a ball but Christ died for me He loves me in that same Jesus. The one you read about in Scripture, the one that we talked a little bit about today, that's all throughout the Gospels, that all of Scripture points to. The Almighty God who became flesh, Emmanuel, God with us. You know that Advent word. But that word's real today, Advent. Emmanuel, God with us, died for you, for you, for you, for you, because he loves you. Yes for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever that's me ever you ever whoever believes in him belief comes from the word pistis or pisteo in the greek to mean not just head knowledge but belief that requires action did you put your trust and that, my friends, is what it's all about. These things are written. These Gospels are written. I told you, hope you enjoyed it. a little bit about the history, how they're, can, if you ever wondered, or if you're like me and you ever say, but why, but why. But what's the most important is those things are written so you know who Jesus is, that he is who he says he is, and that he died for you, and that he loves you. And that for me, and I pray for you, is the best news ever. And I pray that this morning, if there's someone who wants to make a decision, you've heard about Jesus. We live in the Bible Belt, but you want to get to know that Jesus and you want to place your faith and your trust in him, I'd love to talk with you. Or if you have a prayer concern, I'd love to pray with you. If you'd like to become, if you like St. Matthew's, if you fall in love with it, like I have, and you're not a member here and you'd like to, come talk to me, and then I'll put you in touch with the senior pastor. Hey, I'm still the new kid. Um, I'm getting all the details down, but all I know is there's a place for you. We just sang it. Do you believe it? In my father's house, there's a place for you. There's a place for me. Amen. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.